Hi, today I'll be reading Matthew chapter 4, 12 to 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Hello, Wellington Church. This is Jeff Vanderstelt. Uh, I'm the lead teaching pastor at Doxa Church in Bellevue, Washington. Been married for 27 years to my wonderful wife, Janie. Have three teenagers, one headed to University of Washington uh, right now this fall. Uh, her name is Haley. Uh, Caleb, our son, who's a junior, he's in uh, grade 11. And then our youngest, Maggie, is 14 in grade 8. And so that's a little bit about me. I'm glad to serve you today. I wish we could be together. I know everyone's been saying that. Uh, look forward to getting to be with you. I pray, hopefully in the future, I got to be with you in the past, doing some training uh, at your building there, and uh, look forward to hopefully doing that again. Let's take a moment and pray before we dive into the text. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word and for your spirit that you have given us everything we need to understand, to know you, to be transformed that your word really is powerful. It's living and active. And we pray that this morning you would bring illumination to our hearts, that you would lead us into transformative repentance. And that as a result, we would continue to become more and more like Jesus. We ask that you would do this for his glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this passage that we're looking at today comes directly after Jesus has been tempted and overcomes. Unlike Adam, uh, he overcomes the temptation. And so now we're going to enter into Jesus's ministry. And Matthew wants to start off this ministry narrative with showing how Jesus, he's going to do this several times, but how Jesus brings fulfillment, is the fulfillment to the prophecy spoken of by Isaiah in Isaiah 9. So that's the text we heard read. The key verse is going to be verse 17. And it says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or has come near, as you've already heard Ray teach, is here, it's amongst us. And he's really repeating the very same message that John the Baptist proclaimed in chapter 3, verse 2. And there's two clear points, that kind of big ideas all the way through uh, the book of Matthew, and that is, one, the kingdom of heaven is here in the person of Jesus, and it calls for a repentance repentance. That's kind of the big idea, not only of this text, but of even the, the whole narrative, so that we can really experience walking in this beautiful way of Jesus. Now, what I want to have us look at is this idea that the kingdom of heaven comes first to a place, through a person, and it requires a change in our position. Place, person, position. So first of all, the kingdom comes to a place. So often in the church, we're taught this world is not our home, we're just a passing through. And I know that's how I was brought up. And on one hand, that's very true in the sense that if we're talking about the world being kind of the world systems, the, the world order with all of its brokenness and sin and rebellion, yeah, that, that's not our home. We are truly exiles here in that sense. 
However, if what we mean is that one day we're getting out of here, one day we're forever leaving this place and we're going to go to, quote unquote, heaven, then we've misread our Bibles. I don't know about you, but I was brought up watching these scary movies of people all of a sudden just disappearing or floating up into the sky or unmanned cars crashing into one another or planes all of a sudden losing their pilot and then they just fall to the ground. And there's this idea that like there's a day coming when all of this is going to be destroyed. It's all going to be ruined. This isn't really what God ever really wanted. And understanding it that way is really doing a disservice to the biblical narrative. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be an end to what we presently know for sure. There'll be a purifying of it, we're told, uh, that that things will change. But the biblical narrative, the trajectory of God's story is not God getting us out of here, but God bringing heaven to earth, changing this whole place, transforming. In fact, we're going to see later as you guys walk through Matthew 6, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray when he, they pray to their father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This concept of the kingdom of heaven is really important. And I know Ray walked you through it a few weeks ago in chapter three. And, and this is what he said. And I just want to borrow his words here. He said, Matthew's phrase, kingdom of heaven, is interchangeable with kingdom of God. A better translation of this phrase would be kingship, the kingship of heaven or the rule of heaven. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is about the rule of heaven coming to earth. In other words, the God of heaven is establishing his sovereign rule on earth as it is in heaven. And so when John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was saying heaven's culture is being brought to the earth. And what we're going to see today is it's being brought to the earth through Jesus, in Jesus. Now, I often will say when I'm trying to describe this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, that it's wherever the rule and reign of God is being expressed or experienced. In other words, whenever you experience the rule or reign of God, you're beginning to taste what it would be like when heaven breaks into earth, when things are as God intended them to be. It's the reality of the beautiful way of life God always wanted for us. And that it's possible, it's actually accessible to us. And the thing I want us to start with is the kingdom of heaven comes to a place. God cares about people, but we need to know he also cares about place. He's not just here to transform us, but he's also here to transform the space around us, the the places where we live, where we work, where we learn, where we play. There's this idea we know in the narrative of the story that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, just like In Christ, we're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. The actual creation will also be made new. God really cares about this. This is so important for us to understand the kingdom of heaven coming to earth because God wants to not only transform people, but places. See, if we believe it's all going to be destroyed in the end, then the reality is we buy into the lie that none of this matters, that your work doesn't matter, your workplace how you treat your coworkers, that your neighborhood doesn't matter, that how you care for your city doesn't matter, that the creative work that you do while you're in this body doesn't matter. It's all just going to burn away. Nothing's going to last. Then we live in this kind of like idea that life is just meaningless completely. And we know Ecclesiastes, it talks about that, but that's a life that isn't 
that isn't connected to God's purposes on this earth, a life that doesn't understand heaven breaking in to the moment. And so it's important that we understand our eternal destiny is not a disembodied state floating around in clouds, but a new resurrection body and a new heaven and new earth that are actually coexisting where God's rule and reign, heaven, is being experienced in our present reality, earth. That's the, that's the future where we're headed. And so that's important because Jesus cares about your place, wherever God's placed you, your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your school, whatever sports team you might be on. He wants the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, the experience of heaven, the reality of heaven, the beautiful way of life to be experienced in that place. He wants people to taste and see that the Lord is good by you being a part of him bringing heaven to earth to a place. In this text, Matthew wants us to see that the kingdom of heaven came to earth. It came to a particular place, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. Matthew 4, 13 says this, And leaving Nazareth, Jesus, he went and he lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. There's our place right there. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. So he's in a place to fulfill a prophecy. He then begins to quote Isaiah, verse 15. Now he's quoting Isaiah 9, verse 1 and 2. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Let's just pause there a minute. This place he's referring to is the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Now it's really interesting because John the Baptist's ministry was in the south, preaching the exact same message as Jesus starts his ministry with. But what happens to John? I mean, does it go well? Clearly not. The very first verse we read today, verse 12, says John is now in prison. So he's preaching in the South. He's got all kinds of people around him. Fundamentally, they reject John. John ends up in prison. Now, some, not everybody rejected him, but the authorities did. And so Matthew wants us to understand it did not go well for John. Jesus is now in a different place, preaching the same message in a very different way. We'll see as we keep moving through Matthew but it's a different reality for Jesus. He doesn't go to where everybody would expect. See, everyone's expecting the Messiah, the, the one sent by God to go to Jerusalem and spend all of his ministry time there to, to establish the kingdom in Jerusalem. We know that he's gonna eventually end up in Jerusalem, but it's not gonna go well for Jesus either. So where is he at? He's in, he's, he's in the Galilee of the Gentiles, Naphtali and Zebulun. And it's really important for us to understand something that's going on here. Matthew is writing this very clearly for us to understand. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy spoken by Isaiah, which we'll come back to. But before we do that, I wanna stop and just pause and make this note. Everyone would expect the Messiah to go to Jerusalem. Jesus doesn't. God generally doesn't do what you expect. <laughs> I just want to be clear on that. He usually often, most often works through the most unlikely situations, the most unlikely people, and oftentimes in the most unlikely places. He can even work remarkably through a circumstance like pan, a pandemic that we're going through right now. And he is, I believe he is. I believe we would have, none of us would choose what we're in, but God has so sovereignly chosen an opportunity for you and I to press into him and experience something that we might've never experienced apart from him making us this aware of our need for help. That's the similar kind of situation that's going on here. Because in 8 BC, in this particular place where Jesus is kicking off his ministry, there was a collapse of the northern kingdom. 
And that's what Isaiah is referring to when he says in verse 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. He's referring to the, the destruction that they went through, the, the collapse of the kingdom, the, the, the government had completely fallen apart. So they've, but they've seen a great light. These people in that place with that circumstance are gonna have a light come. And he goes on, for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, it's how bad it was. Like they, they, they were facing utter despair. He says, on them a light has dawned. And we need that word right now. I know for me at least. You know, Matthew's saying, when, when, when the kingdoms fall apart, when the government doesn't know what they're doing, when things are not as they ought to be, God often shows up with bright, shining, hopeful light. This uh, last year in November, I was in the airport in Tokyo, about to come home from a couple weeks traveling. I was in Uzbekistan and then did some work in Japan. And just shortly before we're gonna get on the airplane, I, I get the most horrific news of my life. My dear friend, my son in the faith, he was to me like Timothy to Paul, had taken his life. He was the man who I handed the baton of the church I planted over to. He was the pastor of that church. I, when I got the news, I fell on the floor, devastated. The worst moment I've ever experienced in my life. Dark, despair. And I go home and spend time with the church, spend time with his bride, Lisa, and we get ready for the memorial. And I'm sitting there in this packed church, thousand plus people in it. I'm in the front row and I'm listening to his wife, Lisa, speak. And the kingdom of God, heaven was on earth in that moment. I saw God carrying her. I saw God's grace on her. I saw joy that's unexplainable. I saw a confident hope in the presence of God to comfort and if you weren't a follower of Jesus in that room, you would say it was completely otherworldly what she was experiencing and what she was saying. And those of us who know Jesus, those of us who understand the kingdom of God breaking in to a moment in a place knew that's what was happening. God was showing his rule and reign in that moment of despair and darkness. That's what he does. And I bring up that story because I want to ask you, where in your life right now do you presently need the rule and reign of God, the culture of heaven, the beautiful way of life showing up in your darkness, in your despair? Matthew wants to be clear that the kingdom of heaven not only comes to a place, but the kingdom of heaven comes through a person. The rule and reign of God comes through Jesus. That's how it works. He's really clear here. Verse 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. What is that great light? For those dwelling in the region of shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Matthew's saying Jesus is the light that came into the world. John says the same thing, that the light came into the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Matthew's telling us through the prophet Isaiah that that light that they'd been waiting for, that would come into a place of despair and darkness and the shadow of death would be Jesus Christ. It is Jesus showing up and the light has come. 
John's preparing the way for the Lord, for Jesus to come and even proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. But Jesus shows up and the light is here. And here's what happens. Wherever Jesus is, the kingdom has come. Wherever Jesus is, the rule of heaven has arrived. Wherever Jesus is, heaven on earth is experienced. And by quoting this first part of the passage, it's interesting what Matthew's doing. He only quotes the first two verses of chapter nine, and then it just kind of, you know, like dot, dot, dot follows. He doesn't keep speaking the text. He's doing something that many rabbis would do. They, they would begin to say something and they would stop. Kind of like if, if I were to do this with a song, like right now, if I, I just go, praise God from whom all blessings flow. In your head, you're singing the rest of it, if you know that song. That's what Matthew's doing with this text. Rabbis would often start the text of a prophet and then let everybody else fill in the rest because they knew the scriptures well enough. And that's what he's doing here. He's basically kicking off the beginning of saying, the light has come. It's shown in a dark place. That light is Jesus. And then we know the rest of the text. And I'm gonna jump down to verse six of Isaiah nine, which they would have been having go through their head. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government, okay, remember, this is in the northern kingdom that had the government collapse. The kingdom falls apart. They're now hearing the government is on his shoulder. The kingdom has come and his name shall be wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, that all went through their mind when Matthew started that that prophecy. They just heard the rest. And they're all saying, I know what Matthew's saying. They're saying the kingdom of heaven is now on earth The reign of God, which is eternal and unending, is now here in the person of Jesus Christ. And Isaiah is making sure we understand what showed up because this rule, this government that will be on his shoulders brings justice and righteousness and peace. Wherever Jesus is, he brings healing because he's the wonderful counselor. He brings power over sin because he's the, and sin, Satan, and death because he's the mighty God. He brings enduring and unending steadfast love because he's the everlasting father. And he brings peaceful reconciliation and shalom, things as they ought to be the beautiful way because he's the prince of peace. So as you continue to go through Matthew together, you're gonna hear what this kingdom of heaven is is supposed to be like. You're gonna hear in Jesus's great sermon on the Mount, the description of the people who are blessed and who walk in the beautiful way of the the heavenly kingdom coming to earth. You're gonna look at Jesus' life and you're gonna see him be the full expression of heaven come to earth as he loves people, serves people, heals people, casts out demons and feeds the hungry. And whoever is with Jesus experiences the beautiful way of the kingdom of God coming to earth. They taste heaven when they're with Jesus. And eventually the powers that be are going to be so threatened by Jesus and his kingdom way because it's so subversive and so transformative and so otherworldly 
that everyone starts to realize they're, they're, there's something in this that they need, that they long for, that they must have. And the political authorities and the religious leaders are threatened by Jesus. And they decide to crucify him, as we know the story is headed toward. But in his crucifixion, the king of heaven, the king of heaven doesn't lose, but defeats the kingdom, king and kingdom of this world, Satan. And at the cross, Jesus takes all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all the ways that are not beautiful, all the ways that are not of heaven, and he takes them on himself and dies in our place, putting to death sin and its power to condemn us. And then he rose victoriously over sin, Satan, and death. Death is swallowed up in victory. And so at the end of Matthew, which we'll get to in chapter 28, you're going to hear Jesus say after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he commands them to the great commission. See, Jesus is the true king of kings. He is the only one who can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. He's the only way that you can live a new life with his power and authority. He's the only one who, when he teaches you, he can also help you not only to understand it, but to actually do it with his power. He's the one with you turn to him for healing. He can heal you. And he's the one, if you turn to him for someone else, you can pray for someone else's healing and he can heal them too. See, in Jesus, the kingdom of God has come to earth and in Jesus, you can have the kingdom of God in your own life, heaven on earth through Jesus, in you, through you to the world. That's the good news that Jesus is proclaiming. And I want to just caution us. We, we've so truncated the realities of the good news of the gospel that we've made it primarily about our justification in terms of our standing with God and our eternal destiny that we've lost sight of the fact that God wants it to change you now, every day, everywhere. Because the kingdom of God came to a place and it came through the person, Jesus Christ. You can experience this. You can experience heaven on earth. You can experience the culture of heaven changing the culture of this world. But how? Well, the kingdom of heaven does come to a place and it does come only through the person, Jesus Christ. But it requires a change of your position. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent is the Greek word metanoia which means to have a complete change of mind. And mind isn't just thoughts. The biblical word for mind is really the totality of who you are. But in particular, it's a change of mind about who the king really is and what his kingdom is really like. That's what's going on there. And too often, if we're not careful, we make repentance only a change of behavior. We say like, okay, you were doing this, now stop it, do that. That's repentance. Now, I want to be clear because some of you are going like, yeah, but Jeff doesn't, I've always heard repentance taught like it's a change of direction. And, and yes, it is. But not first and foremost in your behavior, first and foremost in your beliefs that do lead to a change in your behaviors. See, what you're going to experience as you go through the rest of Matthew together is you're going to see Jesus redefine for you reality. He's going to be hopefully clarify your view of what what God's really like, what God really deems the, the beautiful way, and what it would look like if you really believed it and lived it. And hopefully along the way, you're going to come to places where you're going to go, man, I had a very different version of what God is like, what God does, and who I am and how I'd live if I believed it. That's getting changed right now. That's repentance. Repentance is this idea that the light dawns on you. You finally see things you didn't see before, which changes 
everything for you when you see it. That's why I said it requires a change of position. Because the reality is, you and I are going to keep finding out we've been submitting to the wrong king somewhere. We believe God was like a particular version that's been perverted, distorted, or broken by our own sin, by the world's perspective. And we need to reposition ourselves under the true king and in his true kingdom ways. That's why repentance will be the key over and over and over again for you. Right now, that's happening to some degree in my context. I know we're in different countries, but you're watching what's happening in the United States and around the area of especially racial injustice and inequality, the light is dawning on many of us. It's like we're beginning to see what we didn't see before. And in particular, those of us who are experiencing repentance are seeing that we saw God in a way that didn't value all humanity. We, we saw God as somehow selective or, or showing favoritism and that there was a particular group of people that maybe were a little bit more special to him than others. Now, we would have never said that, but we're beginning to see that we've believed that about ourselves. In particular, me as a white male, I'm beginning to see my view of what God is like was off. And what he's done in terms of creating all people in his image and making access to all people through Jesus Christ to come to be his own children, even there I've had some things where I, I've had to reconsider how have I been a little skewed in my understanding of God and how has that changed my own perspective of myself in terms of my own pride instead of humility, which as God is renewing my mind about what he's like, what he's done, who I am, it's changing the way that I engage in conversations. And it's not just changing with African-Americans in our country, but also with women. I'll be honest in my country, just like, I don't know that I've ever thought about what it's like to be a woman in the church as a male leader. And so God's bringing repentance there. And he's also bringing in a pandemic around my fear, anxiety, and feeling out of control because I have to ask myself, what kind of God do I believe in? Do I believe he's in control of all of this or not? My fear and anxiety shows that I probably think he's not and I have to be in control instead of my fear going to the Lord and saying, God, you're the only one I can trust in. I don't know what it is for you. I know another thing in our country is people are realizing their political idolatry as they put their hope in a president or in what, who they think they should have as a president. Showing God to not necessarily be the true leader maybe of certain areas of their life. I don't know what it is for you, but I would bet either today or in the coming weeks, as you work through Matthew, God's going to show you areas where you need to repent of your wrong view of who God is as your king and the wrong view of the way of life that you're called to live in his kingdom. So this is what happened when Jesus arrived. I want to read verse 16 again. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And what I want to make sure we understand here is you can't make yourself repent. This is really clear. They saw something that dawned on them. Jesus showed up, the light came into the darkness, the light revealed the truth, the light led them to repentance. You and I cannot just work hard to change ourselves. The light must show up. The revelation of Jesus must come into our lives. His spirit must open our eyes. His light must dawn on our darkness. If you're not yet a Christian, I want to just pause here. I want you to really listen. God is not calling you to work your way up to heaven. God is not waiting on you to get your act together. God is not calling you to make yourself more loving or acceptable or put together. 
Heaven came to earth in the person of Jesus because God knew you couldn't save yourself, you couldn't change yourself, you couldn't enlighten yourself. You needed the light of the world to break into your darkness and dawn on the brokenness and, and, and depravity and desperation and hopelessness that you were experiencing. Jesus came to earth to bring heaven to you. And he wants to still do that. You can still experience that, but you can't experience it unless the light shines and you respond. That's why it requires a change of your posture. You've got to say, I don't want to be king anymore. Jesus, be my king, be my leader, be the one that I submit to. I don't want to define the beautiful way of life that is the kingdom of God. I want you to define it for me. And I want to then submit myself in position to you to say, Jesus, lead the way and Jesus, show me the way. The good news about this passage today is this passage is preparation for the entirety of the rest of the book you're going to go through. See, what's going on is Jesus is saying, there is good news because we're going to start with me telling you, I know your need. I know you need to repent. I know you need the kingdom. And what I love about this is he's saying, I'm giving you the solution to what you're going to be longing for in the coming text that you're going to hear. That you're going to need to know there is one you can turn to, and it's Jesus Christ. And there is grace and mercy for what you're going to discover about yourself. As you begin to realize that you have fallen short of living the life that God has created you to live. As you realize you're walking in ways that are destructive and not life-giving. As you realize there is darkness that will be revealed when it does you already know Jesus started his whole ministry saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, come to me, I'm here for you. I've got grace, I've got mercy, I've got the love of God, and I've got all the resources of heaven to give to you, to enable you to experience heaven on earth in your darkness, your despair, your hopelessness, your depravity. Where do you need the kingdom of heaven right now? Where have you been submitting to the wrong king and living in light of the wrong kingdom? You've had some other ruler or influence or person or situation inform what the world is and what the world should be and what, who you are and how you should live. Where have you been submitting to the wrong king, living in the wrong kingdom? And where do you need King Jesus? right now, to grant light to shine in your life, to give you the gift of repentance that leads to true transformation of your entire being, not just a change of behavior, but a change of you from the inside out. Where do you need the king? Repent. Repent and turn to the king, Jesus. Repent and ask him to lead you in the ways of his kingdom, the beautiful way of life. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Let's pray. Father, repentance is a gift. It's a beautiful gift, but you have to do it. You have to draw us. Jesus, you have to shine your light on us. Holy Spirit, you have to change us. And I pray for anyone right now who needs the gift of repentance, needs the gift of you drawing them, of Jesus shining the light in their darkness, the Holy Spirit transforming them from the inside out. I pray right now, Father, 
that you would give them the gift of repentance. Father, I pray for those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Would you continue to grant us the privilege of seeing the truth about you, seeing the truth about ourselves, seeing the truth about ways we've walked that are so destructive, so not the way of life that you have. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in me, in us, as it is in heaven. Thank you that you are faithful to do this. We ask that you would for your glory, our joy and the good of the world, that they would see heaven on earth in the places we live and work and learn and play for your glory, we pray.